0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, this is part two in a three-part series that I'm doing right now where I'm reading through uh, my book, Let God Be Present. So it's a way for you to get uh, the entire content of the book for free in audio forms. So it's kind of like an audio book on a podcast. Um, but yeah, you could just get the whole thing. Um, if you want to actually have a real copy of the book, like a physical copy or an ebook copy, you can always do that on Amazon or you can also just head right over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. And if you click on books, you can see a few of the books that I've written there uh, and just go and check those out. So yeah, if you're interested in doing that, you can. You can also get the book by becoming a supporter on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash MatthewBroth, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-O-U-G-H, and that's just all one word, uh, if you support me there for, I think, $4 a month uh, to keep the podcast going, there's a few Patreon supporters already, uh, you get a uh, free paperback copy of this book that you're listening to on this podcast right now. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm super proud of this book. I mentioned that in uh, part one and I uh, just think that um, I, I think this is a little better than than Let God Be God. And some people might have read Let, Let God Be God which was uh, the first one in this kind of series that I put out. And this particular section, which is the shortest section of the book, uh, section two or part two, this is my favorite one. Um, it's actually maybe it's because it's one of my most favorite uh, scripture passages of all time. Uh, is First Samuel chapter three, and and so this is um, it's called tuning in and trusting God. And it's the story of uh, Samuel when he's a boy listening for God in the middle of the night. And um, I've heard this text talked about a lot and haven't always been fully satisfied with it. it often it sort of just ends at a particular place where uh, Samuel finally learns, oh, God's speaking to me. And then um, and then he learns that lesson and that's where the story ends. But in in this, in this reflection, you'll hear... Um, that I continue on to kind of talk about, well, what does he hear and, and what does that mean for Samuel? And then also what does that mean for us in trying to listen for God or, or what does it mean in trusting God? So, yeah, I'm going to let you listen to uh, me read this part of Let God Be Present and then uh, feel free to tune in to the next episode, uh, which will be the third part and then there's a very short fourth part as well, um, which is just sort of a, uh, okay, so now now what do I do? Um, so those two parts will be in next week's episode. But for now, I hope you enjoy this uh, second part of the book, Let God Be Present. This is part two of Let God Be Present, and this part is called Tuning In and trusting god and it's a reflection on first samuel chapter 3 and here's the first section of part 2 rarely hearing from god the word of the lord was rare in those days visions were not widespread that is first samuel chapter 3 verse 1 it is so interesting that this verse is in the bible it is unexpected this admission that we shouldn't expect to receive visions all the time and that sometimes the word of the lord is rare this statement seems counter much of what is often taught in churches, including what I regularly teach. Preachers tell people to inquire of the Lord, that God always is speaking, and that we ought to listen. And on the flip side, we can be skeptical of those who claim to hear from the Lord all the time. And from this single statement in 1 Samuel, we can conclude two things. Number one, not everyone gets special visions or hears directly from God. And please note that this this does not mean that God doesn't communicate with us. There are primary ways God communicates with us that are not particularly, quote-unquote, visionary. Ways like through the Bible or in times of prayer when we take communion through other people, etc., etc. Okay, so, but number one, not everyone gets special visions or hears directly from God. Number two, some people do get special visions or hear directly words from the Lord. In other words, you can't discount that God may be giving you a vision or a direct word. And You might want to ask, how can you know if God is trying to tell you something? The answer found in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is this. Go and talk to someone about it. In this chapter, Samuel thinks he hears his mentor, Eli, calling him in the middle of the night. And each time Samuel hears his name being called, he runs to Eli and asks what he wants. And eventually Eli realizes that it is God calling Samuel. But this passage is deeper than just that simple answer. Section two Hope for a dwindling faith. 1 Samuel 3 is about the dwindling faith of a nation, of a people. This passage speaks to anyone who wishes there were some great vision or at least a clear word from the Lord because the time and place they are in is marked by a loss of hope. Don't listen to the facts of this story. Listen instead to the mood that is created at the beginning of it. I'm just going to read to you the first six verses of 1 Samuel 3. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. This passage speaks to those whose faith is like Eli's eyesight, dim and almost gone. But did you hear the hope building in this passage? Faith has dwindled, but God's lamp has not yet gone out God is about to appear again. God is about to do something. The hope builds. But initially, Samuel gets it wrong. He doesn't know that it's God calling him. This is where we get hung up, because we want to immediately say God comes to us as well, and we don't recognize him. That could, of course, be true, but it takes all of the suspense out of the story. It takes the drama away, it takes the element of hope away. More importantly, it takes God's sovereignty away. We're going to put those elements, drama, hope, and God's sovereignty back into this story, and hopefully, our lives. Section 3. Learning to Listen or Learning to Trust This passage is not so much about Samuel getting it initially wrong and then right, in how to listen to a God who is always speaking. It's about God being in total control, even though our human experience often leaves us asking, where is God? It's about God knowing exactly what he's doing, even when we haven't heard from him or seen any grandiose visions in a while. This passage isn't about us trying to figure out how to hear God, it's about having faith that God will do what seems good to him. The beginning part of this story builds up hope that God is going to act. He calls Samuel, and Samuel thinks it's Eli. Samuel goes to Eli and says, you called me. Eli says, no, I didn't, so go and lie down. And this happens twice, and then we get this verse, 1 Samuel 3, verse 7. It says this, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Well, obviously, right? But look how the last part is phrased. It doesn't say he hadn't studied the word of the Lord, or he wasn't really listening for the Lord, or he didn't know that God was trying to speak to him. The explanation of why he doesn't recognize God's voice is that A, Samuel didn't yet know God, and B, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. This is kind of a weird thing to say isn't God trying to reveal his word to Samuel by calling him? Isn't Samuel's basic problem his inability to recognize God's voice? The phrasing of this verse implies that Samuel's inability to recognize God actually makes sense because God's word had not yet been revealed. Even though God had been calling Samuel's name, God was not revealing anything to Samuel, at least not yet. In other words, God calling Samuel by name Wasn't really God trying to communicate, at least not in the sense we usually think. Instead, through his experience that night, Samuel was being educated about who God is. What God was trying to tell him was important, but it was not as important as the experience that God was providing for him. Now, this might be a bit tricky for us to get our heads around. So let's consider some things that God didn't do. See, God could have just woken Samuel up and given him a vision of angels in all glory and power and then delivered the message he wanted to give. That's kind of what God did for the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, right? God could have made it abundantly clear to Samuel exactly who he was, but God didn't do that. Instead, God whispered Samuel's name until Samuel learned that it was God calling him. Well, Why? Because God wasn't just teaching Samuel how to listen. God was teaching him how to trust. Okay, section four. The process is just as important as the message. Sometimes we wish God's will was clear because so often our world makes no sense. Bad things happen to good people. Natural disasters happen. We are under stress. We suffer from depression. We struggle in many ways. We wish God would just tell us what to do or tell us what he is doing. It's easy to wonder why God doesn't just make life easier or why God doesn't just explain things to us. But when we jump to that why God question, we can miss what God is trying to do with us. He may not be giving us visions or speaking audibly his plan for our lives right into our ears, but God is up to something. Samuel's process of figuring out that God was calling him was just as important as what God was going to tell him. The process built Samuel's faith, allowed him to start to know God, and put him in a position to hear the word that God was going to speak. And most of us don't like the idea of a process. We'd much rather have an answer, right? We want to skip ambiguity, avoid difficult questions, do away with lifelong learning. We are often unwilling to wait and learn over time. Most of us are impatient, and we seem particularly impatient with God, who thankfully graces us with his infinite patience. But we must stick with the path that God puts us on. The process that God works in us is important. And that brings us to section 5. It's up to God. Eli figures out that it's God who's calling Samuel. Eli's words to Samuel are simple and direct. Go lie down, and if he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's First Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. Notice that Eli says, If he calls you. Eli doesn't presume that God will keep calling Samuel that night. It is entirely God's choice to keep coming back. Imagine though what Samuel was going through when he went back to lie down. He had just been told that the Almighty God had been talking to him, and he was to wait for God's voice again. Do you think he fell back asleep when he went to lie down? Me neither. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, we get this. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before. This is the first time we read that the Lord came and stood there. Before this verse, it was always just God's voice. But now God stands there and calls. Here is the vision. Samuel is now ready for revelation. Samuel finally hears his name and knows who's calling him. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. For Samuel 3, verse 10. section 6 of part 2 of Let God Be Present. Not the message you wanted. We often stop at 1 Samuel 3, verse 10. We like this as an ending. Samuel has learned to listen to God. We learn our simple lesson to always be listening to God's voice. Though, if this is the only lesson we were intended to learn, we have gained few tools to succeed in it. All we really know is to have a mentor and check in with him if you hear strange voices in the middle of the night. We need to move into the next part of 1 Samuel 3 to gain even more from this passage, though this next section is much more difficult. So here it is, 1 Samuel 3, 11 to 14. This is what it says. Then the Lord said to Samuel, so the Lord's finally going to give the message to Samuel of what what he's going to tell him, see... I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow, this is bad news! We would expect God to give Samuel a mission or at least a message of hope to proclaim to God's chosen people. And instead, God tells Samuel about a punishment he is going to dole out on Eli's household. Now, we're tempted, I think, to just give up on this story. Surely we can find a less abrasive part of Scripture to learn from, the Gospel of John or a psalm maybe. But don't give up. Stick with it. Remember, it is all part of a process. Don't be tempted by the supposedly easier answers. Here's the next verse. Verse 15 for Samuel 3. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. (laughs) No kidding. I'd be terrified to tell Eli what God had just told me. How can Samuel deliver this terrible message to his mentor, who had just helped him hear God's voice for the first time. But here's what happens. It says that Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he Eli said, "It is the Lord; let him do what seems good to him That's first Samuel three sixteen to eighteen and here is the real point of this passage. Let's think about what we really want in our lives and from God. We may say we want God to give us a vision to tell us what He wants us to do or to map out our lives for us, but I think what we'd really like is for God to explain himself to us, or to comfort us, or to fix something for us. We usually want God to work for us. We usually have a very good idea of what we really want to hear from God. But look what happens when Samuel gets a direct vision from the Lord. When God tells him exactly what he's going to do, it is terrible news. I know my response would be to question God. How can a good God punish Eli for what his kids had done? I'd be angry and disappointed with a message like the one Samuel received. But Eli tells Samuel, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Is Eli's faith misplaced? Has his failing vision finally gone out? Is he resigned to just a terrible life? Is he depressed? Does he have no energy to fight anymore? Or does he really believe that it is the Lord and that God is free to do what God feels is best? Is Eli that clear on the fact that only God can be ruler and judge, and that in the end he and Samuel are but mortals with limited vision? See, if only we could see as clearly as Eli does. I read this story and I actually stop wanting visions or communication from God because I don't want bad news. I don't want to be faced with the question of whether I really trust God or not. And that's where Samuel was. God gave him no mission, no task, just a terrible pronouncement about his mentor, whom he loved. And Samuel learned one last lesson from Eli, the lesson of faith, even in the face of not understanding what God is doing. If this story is about anything, it is about how God is going to do what God wants to do. God is going to communicate with you if he chooses. And yes, we can learn things about how to listen for God, but more important and more basic than that, we have to learn to trust God. In fact, most of God's communication and activity in your life is directed toward building that trust through challenge and comfort, through joy and struggle. Section 7 of Let God Be Present, Chapter 2, Part 2. This uh, section is called, surprise, it might not be about you. The rest of Samuel's growing up story gets summarized at the end of chapter three. Here it is. It says, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord and the words of Samuel came to all Israel. See, Samuel became the major prophet in Israel. He was the one who anointed Israel's first ever kings. It was like he had a direct line to God forged that night and morning under Eli's supervision. It was built when Samuel decided to truly trust God as his mentor had. This description at the end of the third chapter points out that it is all about what God is doing, not Samuel. We are told that God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground, and that through this all of Israel recognized Samuel as a trustworthy prophet. We are told further that the Lord continued to appear, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. It is all God's doing. It is all God's activity. We are usually very busy worrying about ourselves, and not just in our spiritual lives either, right? How can I make more money? How can I get a better job? How can I improve my life? How can I have more time for the people and the things that I care about and love? But this passage, which launches one of the most successful prophetic careers in Scripture, is all about what God is doing, and about how God is going to do what seems good to him. We are reminded that we were not created for doing our own thing. We were made for glorifying and enjoying God. When we get hung up on ourselves, or even hung up on what action God wants me to take, we start missing what God is doing, and we miss the opportunities to enjoy him and glorify him. You must pay close attention to what God is doing. And allow for the possibility that God's activity is not centered around the life that you are building or have built for yourself. I'm asking you to trust that God will do what He will do and it will include you. God will break into your life. It's not simply a matter of learning good God listening skills, it's a matter of trusting God with your life. The last section of part two of Let God Be Present is called Moving Toward God When It Is Hard. As I've reflected on this story about Samuel first hearing God's voice, I've become convinced that a lot of the time we already have an agenda around what we want to hear from God. At the times I want God's presence in my life, it is usually because I want something. It might be comfort or calming in a time of anxiety, It might be healing of some kind. I may hope to gain a sense of direction, or I may hope to get an answer to difficult questions. In essence, I want the presence of God on my own terms. And what Samuel discovered is that God will be present on his terms. We tend to try and bend God to our will, when in fact, we are supposed to be bending to his. Samuel's story seems to be about how to be in God's presence and hear his voice. It is about that on one level, but we must be ready to actually allow God to speak. In Samuel's case, God's message was not a welcome one. How will you respond when you hear from God and the message is uncomfortable or disconcerting? Will you trust that God knows what he's doing? In the first part, part one of Let God Be Present, I tried to help you move from not thinking very much about God's presence to really wanting to be in the presence of God. You may get the impression from this section that I'm now moving you further away from God, but that's not my intent. Instead, I'm hoping that we can together open our eyes and ears to what God is really saying and doing. My prayer for you is that even when it is hard to hear God And even more so, when you hear something from God that you don't particularly like, that you will still move toward him, and that you will still trust him as your God. In the following section, we are going to turn to the story of Jesus calming the storm. And there, we will examine more deeply the times when we want God's presence, and the times when we don't want it, but still need it. So I hope you listen to that next section too.